You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Noel Perry, Chief Economist for TruckStop.com. Disruptions and paradigm shifts within the logistics and supply chain industry have never been a matter of if, but when. Rapid advancements in technology, changes in economy, and increasing demand signals from customers continue to force the industry to either evolve or go extinct. Noel Perry of TruckStop.com joins us to address these developing concerns and offer some advice on how businesses can avoid becoming a dinosaur. Joining me today is Noel Perry, Chief Economist with TruckStop.com. Noel, thank you for joining me today. Nice to be here. Noel, can you give me a little bit about yourself and how you came to join TruckStop.com and maybe what got you involved in the industry to begin with? I got involved in the industry because I was fascinated always by trains and about how things work in this world. And so I, I after as a military and some work on a loading dock and driving trucks, I Got a grad degree and went to work for a number of large companies to include Cummins and CSX, the railroad, and Schneider National, and um, most recently part-time with uh, truckstop.com. And I've been studying how this industry works ever since. And I have not been bored for one second of the 40-some years I've been at it. The industry itself isn't a particularly complex concept, right? It's uh, goods go from supplier to shipper to customer, but as with everything else, the devil's really in the details, and that's where things can get kind of complicated. Savvy companies know how to manage those details, but as the industry continues to evolve, new and challenging disruptions uh, are looming on the horizons. What do you think are some of the biggest factors that continue to force the industry to evolve? Well, let's uh, talk about the environment first, just for a moment. I'll list a few things, and then we'll talk about the conditions inside the supply chains. Uh, with respect to the environment, the uh, key disruptors are, first off, the business cycle. And we're now seven or eight years into the third longest recovery of all time, and it's probably getting stale. So the first disruptor I'd be concerned about would be a recession. And a recession puts pressure on the carriers, and it puts pressures on the traffic departments because the the underlying profitability of the customer is threatened in a, in a recession, and they always say take out cost. So uh, that's the first. Um, second would be weather, and we're now in a era where there's a significant weather disruption sometime, something like every two years or a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can now measure those uh, disruptions, and they are uh, noticeable. Uh, and and a third thing would be um, political events. Uh, thank goodness terrorists haven't figured out how vulnerable and fragile our system is. But a, um, a well-targeted terrorist event could dramatically affect the rest of the system because we would feel compelled to protect everything in the same way that we protect every airplane takeoff based on the terror instance we had in the past. So that's the things I'm concerned about in the in the environment. Um, inside the industry, um, there are, I think, two huge ones, and I, I know from seeing your, your questions beforehand, Jeff, that there are 
some of these would be covered, but the first one would be clearly the absolute revolution in the way that we sell goods in this in this country. Right. Moving to electronic dis- display and ordering has profound implications for uh, supply chains. That's one. And if for no other reason, by the way, then what it what it says is that the majority of the retailers to whom we are suppliers as carriers today will not exist 10 years from now. If we look at history, when you have a revolution of this size, the majority of the incumbents fail. And then the second one, obvious one, is the automation of trucking. The use of all manner of digital tools, which will both dramatically increase the amount of data we have and our our ability to process and understand it, but also our ability to uh, allow a truck to travel uh, 24 hours a day rather than now more than half half a truck's time is spent sleeping along with the driver. So those are earth-shaking things. Uh, uh, The combination being bigger than anything we've seen since uh, World War II. You used some big words there. You used revolution and earth-shaking. So let's take them uh, one at a time. With e-commerce, came on strong, and it really changed the way business is done uh, all over the place. And we've identified something that we call supply chain impatience here, where the customers expect now, yesterday, two hours, whatever it is for their uh, products from order to, to shipment. So with no signs of that abating, how do businesses cope? How do they cope? Well, they keep their eyes open, first off. And most of us are so busy doing our day-to-day work that we we miss most of the signals that are in our environment. So the first thing you do is keep your eyes open. The, the second thing you do is consider how you should change, and you start experimenting. And what we have found is that if you are on top of things, you'll probably get directionally right two-thirds of the change. You can identify now, the rest of it being unknown. And if you have fought it through early, you can recognize the change more quickly and adapt to it more quickly, probably gaining six to nine months on your competitors. So you look, you plan, and you experiment. And you also have to give up on some of your cherished assets that become obsolete given a new uh, technical or market environment. Very difficult. It is instructive that none of the manufacturers of steam locomotives survived the move to diesel back in right. the 50s. Not a one. That's got to be, at its face, a frightening thing to be staring at if you're not ready for it. When my friends complained to me about high water or floods or ice or all of the difficulties of that very challenging business, I look at them and I say, what's the point of being in the, in the wheelhouse if the water's come? And it is clear, by the way, and if you look at any of the great companies in this, in this country, it is clear that the more the change, the more the opportunity to distinguish yourself, to gain market share and margin. But you have to embrace change rather than fight it. And it is a human instinct, one that I share as much as anybody, to fight the change. And for the trucking industry specifically, 
that boogeyman of autonomous vehicles. It's been tested. We've had some successful trips. How far away is that technology from becoming ubiquitous, if it ever gets there at all? Okay, sure. Well, um, I've done an analysis of that, and the trucks are already at least a third automated. If you look at the very the many functions that are on a truck, and if you compare today to what we had 30 years ago or 50 years ago, you'll see the lots are, are automated. For instance, I'll give you two for instances. Navigation is now automated, is it not? Mm-hmm. We're looking at a map, you just plug in in a destination, and and some sexy lady will tell you exactly how to go there. So that's one. Another one that is just appearing now is the first um, prototype automatic backup device is being tested. Um, In the same way, by the way, that we already know that only the very best drivers, the 1% best drivers, can get better fuel economy than an automatic transmission now. So if fuel economy is important to a fleet, then it makes sense to automate that function. So it's it's beginning to happen already. The progress towards the dramatic things are happening more quickly than we expected. Certainly the technology will exist within 10 years to run automated over a freeway. The question is, uh, will it be allowed? And the answer to that question has nothing to do with trucks. It has everything to do with automobiles. What we know from all of the data and what we know from our own personal experience is that human beings are very dangerous when put in command of a car. And we also know from the research that if you can automate some of those functions, that car becomes more safe at some point. And it's going to be within... 15 years for sure, the public will come to realize that, oh my goodness, my daughter who was killed by a drunk driver last night would still be alive if we had automated cars. And we will demand to get me, the 80-year-old, the hell off the highway, and your 16-year-old son for that matter. We will demand that the roads be automated. And when that happens, the trucks have to, too. So it's nothing to do with something that is 53 feet long. It has everything to do with something that is 14 feet long, driven by somebody looking at their cell phone. Now, what about the truck drivers themselves? This is something that, as you were saying earlier, people are resistant to change. This is a big deal. Well, let me answer that in two steps. Uh, Obviously, the transition and, and, and even the end game will have a mix of automated and, and semi-automated operation. My guess is that the early expression of this will be that there is a, a monitor. You know, the driver won't do anything, but he'll be required to be in the truck. And if that's the case, then we can dumb the job down. So, you know, the first thing happens is that the job becomes much less difficult. You know, driving a truck is no easy thing. You know, it's physically demanding, and it it requires great judgment. Well, most of that judgment will be eliminated by these automatic brakes and automatic everything. So 
So the first thing happens is the job gets dumbed down. People don't want to talk about it because right now those drivers are absolutely essential, and nobody wants to get them angry. I understand that. But it is inevitable that those, most of those jobs will either will eventually disappear. Now, let me give you an example that people are saying, but where will these people go to work? And, and the answer is we will invent not necessarily supply chain work, but, but perhaps in the supply chain, we will invent work that will take up the additional labor. And I will give you a perfect example. I live um, 50 miles from the coal fields in Pennsylvania. And in 1800, the coal was hauled down dirt roads into the town of Lebanon where I live with with a, a wagon with two guys and four horses. And they probably had to change horses a couple times. Well, nowadays they do it with something called a unit train, a whole train of coal. And that whole train of coal, which is done by two guys in, in the cab, uh, is the equivalent of 40,000 draymen and um, 80,000 horses. Well, and so what we have done over the past 200 years is we have gone through revolutions exactly like this one five or six times, and each time we do one of three things. The first thing is we invent new jobs. The second thing is that we shorten the work week. Your, your grandfather and my grandfather worked uh, probably 50 hours a week, worked every Saturday. And, and the last thing we do is we take care of more people. And it's almost certain that, that that will happen. All three will happen again. The transition may be very difficult. Not maybe, will be, because people don't want to change. And if there's any industry that seems to be under siege with all of the looming technology, it's definitely trucking. But These same tools apply to education, to medical, to retail. Uh, uh, it's just easiest to see in our business. Right. And one of the other potential disruptors for the trucking industry is the, for lack of a better term, the Uberization. And how how do brokers adapt to take that on? How do they leverage themselves in that kind of competition? Yeah, I've I've done a lot of thinking about this, uh, and there are two answers to that question. The first answer is that there is no question that many of the of the human functions that the very uh, subtly managed human functions that match up loads with capacity. So things that brokers do, the things that customers and shippers do, most of that work will be automated. Uh, and so it used to be there were a bunch of people in every broker's office who were making phone calls all the time to find capacity. Well, those jobs will, will go away. So if we're talking about the employment of sophisticated digital information tools, that is certainly happening. Now, the other thing that people talk about with the Uberization of trucking is something called disintermediation. And the idea here is, and it's a false idea, but I'll put it out here, is that the power of the digital tools will make obsolete the brokerage function itself. And it will take what these entrepreneurs believe are large broker margins 
disintermediate them, eliminate them, pass on most of the benefit to the customer and keeping a little bit for these digital entrepreneurs. And that, that belief is um, inaccurate for two reasons. First off, uh, I have excellent information sources within the brokerage business, and I guarantee you that margins are not big. And they couldn't be big for a very simple reason. The brokerage function in trucking is at least 70 years old, if not more. Mm -hmm. And it is completely open in terms of competition. So how could a free market, as competitive as the brokerage business, create a whole class of companies who got, I quote, excessive margins? It's mm -hmm. ludicrous. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is that the broker still provides, uh, either through humans or through digital tools, an essential function. They don't just take an infinitely large number of shippers and meet them, match them with an infinitely large set of, um, of carriers. They pick the right carrier for the right shipper. And then they manage the transaction, cash flow, uh, service, reporting, all of those things. And, and so each load, the, the basis, one of the basis of, of Uberization, the idea anyway, is that every load is infinitely fungible. If you remember from your economics, that means that it, it, it can be uh, dealt with uh, by an infinite number of equal shippers or equal carriers. Well, that's not true. The carriers are all different and the customers are all different in, in this business. Mm -hmm. And so any given load, there are probably 50 people that can move it, but only five that can do it well. Mm -hmm. So what happens to one of your readers if their broker consistently gives them one of those 45 that can get the job done but don't do it well. Mm. They're not going to use that broker. They want the broker who gets them one of the five 99% of the time. And so far, nobody has invented a software that will do that well. And I'll make one more comment about Uberization, which is hugely different between what we have seen in uh, cars and in um, and, and accommodations. The taxi industry was governed by hideously ineffective, dysfunctional uh, regulation. Service was what we all know, pretty rotten. And there was also a very large supply of underutilized labor and capacity. Well, Uber solved that. They knocked down, uh, they went around those regulations and they freed up that capacity. Same thing with this, um, with these lodging deals. Well, there is no excess capacity in trucking business. You know that well. And there's 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 no regulation. And I know what the margins are, and they ain't big. So the startup Uber companies are competing against very well-established, difficult competitors. And, and I'll give you one piece of of uh, personal evidence to that effect, I have worked for um, half a dozen startups, technical startups, 
in, uh, as a consultant in one or more of these uh, uh, events. And in 10 years of consulting, I have had one bad debt. And that bad debt is from an internet starter company. It's hard. Speaking of that competitive market, with customers that demand more and more every day, how do those businesses become one of those five that stand out and uh, continue to hit their targets? I'll, I'll start with the basics. You provide uh, reliable capacity at a good price. And the interesting thing about this whole retail revolution and the, the business of um, moving things from manufacturing to the final user it has changed much less than most people think. It is still dominated by the need to consolidate. Okay. And so stuff is still moving, moving truckload. And all, all, all these digital tools allow us to do is to do each one of those basic functions better. The two revolutions that will distinguish people in our business, the first is that the visibility of the supply chain will be dramatically better. And what that means is that the person, the 4PL, we'll, we'll call them perhaps, the logistical mm -hmm. professional who is management in the supply chain is not just looking at the variables that, that uh, he or she sees today with inside the customer. They will be looking at the entire supply chain to in include the economics, the availability, the location of trucks. And so not only will the trucker have to adjust to the needs of the shipper, but the shipper's supply chains will have to adjust to the realities of the truck side. And what that means is you have to get the information. And so in the future, 10, 10 years from now, let's take Schneider National just as an example. And I'm not saying they have this plan. I'm predicting they will. Okay. Schneider National will be providing its truck flow data to Procter & Gamble if either of the companies still exist. And Procter & Gamble will be saying, oh, my goodness, look, Schneider has some excess capacity over here, and I have a, you know, I could move some extra loads to now and save money in the future. These ELBs we're talking about, electronic logging devices, uh, that data is going to go into the supply chain. And if owner-operators don't like it, well, they don't like it for all the reasons we understand, but it, it will be an absolute cost of, of, of doing business within, I think, five years. Wow. All right, and speaking of targets, we received some breaking news recently that you just hit your first hole-in-one on the links. Many congrats. Can you explain how that happened? Yeah, well, it, I'm from West Philadelphia, and uh, it is a standard in my culture that if you hit a trick shot, you have to call it ahead of time. In this case, <laughs> I did not, so I was lucky. I hit the ball on the side of the green. It rolled 50 feet left and fell into the hole. So wow. I'm, I'm a happy, lucky boy. <laughs> well, give me a parting golf analogy then that encapsulates a smart supply chain strategy, if you could. Hmm, that's a, let me think for a moment. Uh, okay, yeah, I think that the golf analogy is this. We are entering in an era where 
many of the technical aspects of the game will change. The equipment will get a lot better, the training will get a lot better, the information will get a lot better. However, the basics of swinging and hitting that club and hitting the ball in the sweet spot are not changing at all. You still have to get the load on time at a reasonable cost. And it's still done, managed by humans. So that would be my analogy. Use the technology to enhance the existing skills that we already have. Fantastic. And where can people go to learn more about Truck Stop? Truck Stop's name is truckstop.com. If you type that in in your, um, in your computer, you will find the largest load board ever with abundant information to help you deal with some of these changes. Noel Perry, thank you for joining me, and uh, may you continue to hit them long and straight. Thank you, Jeff. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. podcast is a production of inbound logistics magazine for the most in-depth information around logistics transportation and supply chain practices get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe connect with us via linkedin twitter facebook and youtube for the most current developments in the industry if you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.